I do find that I choose with care and I talk I talk in the book as well about having that capsule wardrobe and having those items that are really considered and that I don't think there's anything that's in my wardrobe that I wouldn't invest in reinforcing repairing You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice and tips on making in the UK. So let's get on with today's show. Welcome to episode number 141 of the Make It British podcast. Today I'm speaking to Emma Matthews, who is a fascinating founder of sustainable sockwear business, Socko. God, that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? So Emma is an expert on all things darning, which is fascinating. I find that really fascinating. And she's going to be telling us all how to make, do and mend and repair our clothes. In fact, Emma has also just written a book called How to Quit Fast Fashion, 100 Expert Tips for a Sustainable Wardrobe. And she's going to be telling us all about that too. But before we get on to the interview with Emma, I just wanted to remind you that at the end of this week, so if you're listening to this in the week that it goes out, it's the 30th of October to the 1st of November, we are holding our Make It British virtual pop-up shop. And there's going to be tons of fantastic gift ideas from our Make It British members. It's taking place on the Make It British Instagram. In fact, a new Instagram we've set up especially for it called Make It British Virtual Pop-Up. So make sure you're following it. And the Make It British Instagram as well. I'm going to be doing a series of live interviews starting from 10 o'clock this Friday, the 30th of October. And if you register for the event so we've got a registration form on our website you not only get a special code which all of our members will be using so you can get special offers from those members but you'll also be entered into a prize giveaway that we've got where we've got 15 fantastic prizes to give away so 15 people can win and we've got even got a bag of your choice from the Cambridge Satchel Company as one of those prizes so all you need to do is register to be part of this virtual pop-up and I'm going to be pulling out the names live at 3pm on Sunday the 1st of November. So if you are listening to this podcast in the past, unfortunately you'll have missed this particular pop-up but you can grab yourself a copy of our special gift guide we've also put together so that we can help you to buy British made gifts this Christmas. So if you do want to sign up and get that gift guide, that the link for that will also be on the show notes as well. And we will send you a digital copy of that gift guide that you can flick through. Gosh, I've got trouble getting my words out today. So let's get on to this interview with Emma, because I'm sure you'd much rather listen to her than me now. So here we go over to Emma Matthews from Soco to tell us all about how to darn and how we can quit fast fashion. So hello, Emma. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm really excited to learn all about you. Um, And the reason I've got you on is because I want to talk about your book. So we'll get on to that bit 
in a minute. Uh, but before we do, do you want to tell everyone um, what is your business? What what do what do you do at Soco? You can probably guess from the name, but do you want to explain exactly what Soco is? Sure. Yeah. So Soco is a sustainable sock brand, um, and by that I mean that uh, I've thought a lot about the materials that go into our socks. Um, because actually, from doing research before I launched, it turned out that the most sustainable socks are the ones that you already own. So if we can extend the active life of the ones that we have, then that's actually the most sustainable thing that you can do. Um, that's why each of our socks uh, is not only made to last, but it comes with a swatch of yarn and a darning needle to encourage that idea of reinforcing or repairing rather than throwing away. Um, so, yeah, we make we make socks. We make unisex socks. They're all made in Leicestershire. Uh, our first range was made using offcuts from mills around the UK, so yarn that would otherwise go to waste because it's the end of a production run of a larger item or it's got a slight streaking effect, but it's still perfectly usable, beautiful yarn. Um, and I'm just at the moment about to launch a recycled range, which I'm really excited about, uh, which is made from, and this is really nerdy, uh, it's made from a cotton poly, which is from T-shirt offcuts and PET bottles and then the uh the plating which you need um for that durability is done with uh recycled fishing nets or yeah repurposed fishing nets I should say so brilliant um, yeah truly sustainable socks (laughs) so before you got into socks or got into the business of socks what were you doing before what was your background yeah so I've got quite a creative background uh, from sort of back in the day. Both my parents were were creative, well, still are creative people. Um, so my dad, my dad was an architect. Um, my mum is a product designer, um, and I I learned a lot through that. I then went to art school um, and I studied graphic design, and I came out of art school not wanting to be a graphic designer. Um, having always had an interest in, in textiles, um, but not really exploring that in terms of uh, how I could make a, a living out of it. So I went off to, to France for a couple of years to sort of learn the language and, um, and, and sort of work out who I was, where I was and, and so forth. Came back and actually studied advertising. So I, I, oh, I went gosh. in, um, yeah, total kind of, um, uh, yeah, total curve, um curveball there but basically my graphics course had been very conceptual anyway and had been very much around sort of communication rather Mm. than uh you know how to use photoshop and indesign and all the rest um so it actually stood me in quite good stead when it came to then working in in advertising so i then worked as a strategist uh so that's the really nerdy side of advertising not the madman side at all uh the the sort of books and uh and nerding out rather than the the uh, old fashions and the schmoozing um so I did that for uh probably about five years and then as I learned more about branding and marketing um I really wanted to find something that kind of combined my skills for branding and marketing with my passion and interest in textiles and sustainability and then combining those with something that people actually want to buy so um landed on socks in that crazy Venn diagram of, <laughs> of ideas. Brilliant. Oh, the advertising and graphic design background, that makes sense because when you look at your website, it's beautifully presented. Uh, um, oh, thank you. But that's all down to my, my that's all down to my lovely uh designer Liam actually, who's uh who's been with me since day one. But we used to work together back in the day, so it's been great to be able to delegate and pass pass those things on. 
Brilliant. So when you decided you were going to set up a business making sustainable socks, how did you go about finding your manufacturer in Leicestershire? Oh, my goodness. So um, <laughs> I wish I'd known you at the time, Kate, because it was quite it was quite a journey. It was um, it was it was not not that straightforward. As, as you know, a lot of manufacturers don't don't have uh, straightforward websites, which is, you know, my digital route into everything. Um, so actually trying to pin them down um, and find out who who would work with yarn that I was supplying rather than um, their own materials. Uh, I did a lot of calling around. I have a big spreadsheet um, mm. and just approaching people. Uh, and I found someone who I went to have a chat with um, who was a little bit skeptical, not going to lie, you know, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't fully on board, wasn't like, yeah, let's do this straight away. Um, but who would work to a, a relatively doable minimum quantity um and was up for for keeping things quite classic which is which is fine by me he's i remember him saying specifically if you want mickey mouse on your socks then you're not coming to the right place and I was like, don't worry don't want mickey mouse on my socks um so yeah it, uh but but in terms of uh sourcing not just the the manufacturer but the material um it just it was a lot of emails a lot of phone calls um and 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 eventually kind of getting uh getting to a place where I had the, the the key people on board to be able to take the idea and make it a reality. And how long was that time frame? Um I would say about eight months. Oh, okay. That's not bad, actually. Eight I was months to a year. Yeah. Because yeah. you picked on an area, socks, where I would say since I've been running Make It British, I know of three UK sock manufacturers that have sadly shut right. down and oh, only one mm. that has opened. So we're we're on a net loss of sock yeah. manufacturers right now, which I think is yeah. is disappointing considering socks is one of those things where if you've ever been to a sock factory, which clearly you have, it's a very heavily automated. So there's not a lot of people involved in the process. It's just the investment in the machinery. Mm. Um, it is one of those products you can make viable here. So we need more sock manufacturers. <laughs> Do you think I think it it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen because um, looking, you know, as you say, I have been to the the factory. I actually spent a week there learning how to handle a toe seam and, um, and really, you know, getting getting under the skin of it, which was which was brilliant. And for them to allow me to kind of come on board and do that was was really was really brilliant as well. Um, just to understand the process better, because mm. you know, I have got my textiles background. I'm a hand knitter. I can hand knit socks, but to take it from hand knitting through to even domestic machine knitting through yeah. to industrial machine knitting is is they're all worlds apart they even have different gauges for the mm. yarns like it's been a steep learning curve for sure do you think then you might get to the stage at some point a bit like samantha from wearing brook who i interviewed on this podcast a few weeks ago where you invest in your own knitting machine your own circular knitting machine to knit the socks I would, I would love to. That, that is the dream. Um, I mean, I've, I've grown soccer really organically. I've not, uh, I've not got stakeholders. I've, I've done it from, from the grassroots. So I'm not, I'm not rushing anything. I'm not trying to borrow a load of money to them. Um, you know, and especially in these uncertain times, you can't, you can't really uh, throw a load, a load of money at, at something. And it, obviously, buying my own circular machine would, would require upskilling 
um, somewhat, and and I'm not sure that's the best use of my time at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, as interested as I would be in, in in the actual making of it, my my grand plan actually is to to have um, Shimaseki do a uh, an amazing machine, which I've I've been eyeing up since day one. Uh, but we're talking sort of tens of thousands of pounds, um, yeah. and that is uh, something where I'd be able to print on demand essentially or knit on demand. So. I'd love to be able to have, um, uh, be able to customize as we go and actually make to order because nothing's more sustainable than, than rather than sitting on a load of stock to actually be able to, to knit on demand and, yeah, and exactly. make things bespoke for people and be able to not put Mickey Mouse in them, but maybe, you know, the odd letter or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I noticed on your website, so you have collections of socks. Once they're gone, they're gone. So you find your materials, make a collection, and then make something new Um, that's obviously quite a that's uh, having had my own business in recycled clothing 20 odd years ago that's always really really hard because if someone sees something on your website and they've missed it and you can't remake it because you can't just get that yarn um that's quite disappointing how are you and it's also difficult to make a business profitable by doing it like that so Mm. how are you overcoming that challenge yeah, I think I think it is it is definitely one of the bigger challenges. Um, some people totally get the idea of it's kind of like you know even on the on the packaging I've got like a little limited edition number so you know that there are only thirty three pairs made in this color in this size. Um, and some people totally get that and they really they really like that. Um, but then as you say, you know if you go on the website and it it you know some people be like well what's going on you know you're carrying really low stock it looks it doesn't look like the business is doing uh well or or or, you know making a profit in any way but actually it's it's more that I'm gearing up for the next collection um and so for me to have low quantities is is a good thing Mm. and actually to the designs I can remake they won't be the same colors again because that's the nature of using offcuts is that um you know, it's been part of the challenge is combining colours in a way that isn't totally offensive, um, <laughs> based on what what is what is available. So, um, you know, that's that's part of the design challenge that I enjoy. Um, but what's exciting about the recycled range is that that is something that I can then scale up. Um, they won't be limited edition numbers. Um, I'll still do the limited runs. I still I think that works, and you've got a really luxurious fibre with that. Um, and it just means that I've then got a wholesale edge to my business, which I haven't been able to do till now because I'm carrying such small quantities. Yeah. Is that the plan then to go down the wholesale route as well at some point? To have both. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I do get inquiries, especially around this time of year, you know, people want um, in the build up to Christmas, uh, Mm. all the the giftables. Yeah, yeah. socks are (laughs) definitely. So tell me more about the darning then, because I have to confess, I can't darn. Um, I can knit socks, but I can't darn them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, My nan so much more straightforward. So yeah, I I should learn. My nan used to hand knit socks like there was no tomorrow when she lived with us when I was younger, and that was her thing that she knitted. So you had odd stripes. I wish I'd kept some of them because Mm. I, but because she was knitting them so prolifically, I never needed to darn them because I said, oh, she's made another (laughs) pair and another pair. Um, (laughs) But I know my husband. He was born in 1972. He'll hate me for saying that. He always (laughs) tells me that he learned how to darn socks at school. I'm so in the late seventies. I know. Yeah, I, Why don't we I teach love, kids when this I, when now? When I hear that, when I hear about people who have 
been taught at school I just think that's that's so brilliant um and so I'm I'm trying to slowly but surely do my bit to pass on the skill um having been self-taught but then also um having been to uh there's a fantastic artist called Celia Pym who's the sort of women's hour phase who uh she, she does a lot of amazing textile art and um and darning and mending is a big a big part of that um also Rachel Matthews not no relation um she's she's fantastic as well so lots of inspiring people out there who have been using darning in their work um and and so now I've I've been running workshops but I'm now taking that online so that there's um there's something that that can be done I I like the idea of teaching in my sleep (laughs) yeah Um, and then being on hand to help people it's sort of similarly to how you do with uh with your chat Kate is that it feels really personal it feels really mm. personable and you are on hand but of course you can't be sort of sat in front of the computer 24 7 waiting for that message to come through so I, I think um that's that's the next progression uh since I can't do the physical workshops is to take them online um, ah. and I've just filmed for those last week brilliant so, so it'll be yeah. an online course that's or right. lesson mm-hmm. tutorial showing people how to darn Exactly. And um, I'm, I'm going to have different tiers to it. So I'm going to provide kits if you want them. Um, and I also have these beautiful hand, hand-turned darning eggs that are made uh, by Liz in her uh, studio in Berkshire. Uh, she uses offcuts of wood to make these beautiful um, wooden eggs that are used to sort of support you when you meant and stop you from sewing your sock shut or your sleeves closed. <laughs> or... <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's, that's a, another big development um, going on at the moment. But uh, right. the darning, darning is also just one of those really therapeutic, um, rewarding things that you can do. It just, it, you, you really feel a sense of achievement. And I think it's, it's great to sort of embrace the time that you've invested to say, I love this enough to mend it. Um, and so I really encourage visible mending as well. So using colors that aren't matching, but, you know, doing something a little bit quirkier. Um, and I put lots of inspiration up on Instagram to, to encourage people to do that as well. I was going to ask you that because I've got loads of cashmere socks because they wear Ooh. out quicker than anything, don't they? Because I love they cashmere do. socks, but they mm. wear really thin, especially if you wear them instead of slippers. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say, what do you do if you can't get hold of the original yarn? So, so with my, so I've got if I've got a pair of grey cashmere socks, how mm-hmm. should I darn them? What what yarn get should I use? Pink. Get some. <laughs> get something really contrast and really stand out. Uh, grey and pink is the winner every time. But um, but no, seriously, uh, you can use any fibre. Actually, they've they've all got good qualities to them. So if you want to use another wool, probably not a cashmere, just because it's got those shorter fibres that makes it so soft, but isn't the best for durability. So you want something with a long staple fibre. Um, but then you could even use an acrylic or something that that's man-made just because it's essentially plastic and so you've mm-hmm. got that strength in it as well um the main thing is really just trying to match the weight of the of the yarn so it doesn't uh, really matter whether you're whether you're using an acrylic or or uh, a wool or whatever whatever you have to hand i'm a big advocate for that as well just use what's what's available what's on hand um it doesn't really matter the actual content of the fiber. It's more trying to match it to the original so that you don't have something, if it's too thin, then it, it's still going to just sort of form a, a net and you can still poke your finger through. Um, and if it's too thick, you're going to get a kind of chunky yarn, which, which doesn't feel you know, nice if, under if, your if, foot. If, if, no, if you're doing it on your socks, exactly. You don't, you, you don't want something on your heel or toe that you can feel lumpy. Um, so yeah, yeah. 
Brilliant. So how long would it take to darn the average pair of socks? So people out there thinking, oh, I can't be bothered with that. I'm just going to throw socks away mm. and buy a new pair. So we want yeah. to change their mind set about that. Yeah. How long will it take? I'm sitting in front of the telly watching Netflix. How many program episodes of a box set will I have to get through? I reckon just the one because it's, really? it's just, exactly. yeah, honestly, it's not as time consuming as all that. And and as you say, you can do it when you're sat in front of Netflix. You, you don't have to be, um, you know, really uh, mentally switched into the darning. You can you can be doing it alongside other activities. So that's, well, maybe not cooking like that. Sort of thing. But, um, <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it's one of those things that you can you can do alongside uh, watching the telly. In fact, I think that as long as you've got a good light um, whilst, you, whilst you're watching the telly, I think that's the, the best time to do it. And um, and it's essentially a running stitch. So it's dead straightforward. Even if you've never threaded a needle before, it's one of those skills that actually doesn't require a huge amount of skill or knowledge to do um once once you know how to do it you're, you're running and and the way that I teach is quite rigorous um in that I kind of teach the do's and don'ts but then I figure if you know the rules then then you can set out to break them and do something a bit wild and wacky so um brilliant yeah. <laughs> you've written a book as well haven't you as I said at the beginning do so it's called how to quit fast fashion 100 expert tips for a sustainable wardrobe. Great title. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to say that I didn't brand myself an expert. That was the publisher, but, <laughs> but yeah. Um, it, yeah, that, that, that was my lockdown project. I was lucky enough to be approached to, to write, uh, write this book and it's um, a really accessible, well, I hope, I hope people will find it to be a really accessible guide to the kinds of things you can do in your everyday uh ways of wearing your clothes and and shopping that will make a big difference in terms of uh the impact on both the people who work in the textile industry and also the planet so um so yeah that's 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 the way and it's, it's divided into five chapters um so you've got um 25 uh, no <laughs> 20 yeah good good maths there um good you've got 20 <laughs> tips per chapter and um and it get, ranges from sort of rethinking what you actually already own um, all the way through to, to shopping more efficiently. And, and my top top topic, which is about making your clothes last longer. So mm. um, lots, so, of, lots of tips there. So I imagine that darning is one of those tips then, obviously. <laughs> it is, but I think it's only like number 98. It's, you know, it's really late on in the book. But yeah, yeah, it's in there. <laughs> so how did the book come about? Had you written a book before? I hadn't and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to um it it was something that came about uh through a friend who works at a publisher who um they had I think they'd approached a couple of kind of influencer fashionista type people uh who hadn't taken them up on the opportunity um and it came to me just as I'd uh, stopped doing my freelance work and we'd just gone into full lockdown so I I was I just leapt at the opportunity um and then and then I was told that you, you've got two and a half weeks to write 15,000 words <laughs> oh wow gosh that's like a dissertation length isn't it, it yeah or, or more it was more than I'd ever written so uh, yeah it was quite daunting in terms of uh would I even be able to do it that's the great thing about studying the arts is that the dissertations aren't that long <laughs> no exactly and I wrote mine about children's television I don't know what you wrote oh, yours amazing. <laughs> yeah. amazing. so um 
Okay, so did you already? Because normally, when you when you write a book, you've got to do all the research. That's what most people yeah. say. I'm doing the research for my book. You yeah. must have known a lot about all this topic, all these topics beforehand. I I, I did, I do, um, and I think that's really just down to personal interest, and then also all the research that I did in the build up to launching Soco, but also throughout and the conversations that I've had. Um, so I think that it's something that, in an ideal world, I would love you know, I thought I'd approach it in a very kind of nerdy, researchy way, because that's that's how I tend to approach my work projects. Um, this, I just didn't have the chance to do that. But I actually discovered that there's a lot more knowledge in my mind <laughs> than I expected there to be. And, um, and it actually makes it more accessible if you're not sort of constantly referring back to you know see the footnotes on yeah yeah so um so yeah I think I think it in some ways it was it was almost like having that constraint was was probably a good thing for the book um and and I really want this to be sort of a a bit of a stocking filler and and one of those things to sort of pass on to people who who have a bit of an interest but don't necessarily know the, the the actions to take so um it's yeah, it's accessible in that in that way. Um, it's not it's not a heavy it's not a heavy read by any means. But I means. think um, that's good because because I've lectured my daughter on all this because she you know lives with me, so she has to mm-hmm. hear. All, you know, you're not you're not allowed to shop in these places, Flossy. Everything <laughs> on second hand and what have you. But there's a lot of her friends who fast fashion. You know, they just take it for granted. The teenagers and the millennials who just don't think really about what the other options are, what they could do. How can I be more sustainable in my mm. fashion choices? So in that mm. respect, I would imagine the, the book was a good stocking filler for that sort of generation who maybe come at it with no with no no real knowledge. Like we take it for granted. We know how to to source this, you know, buy a, a sustainable wardrobe. I can't even say that's quite a tongue twister. Isn't it? <laughs> Because we're in the textile industry, but for those that aren't, for the average consumer, as it were, on the street, they don't necessarily know what those options are, do they? It's, yeah, I think you're right. There's, there's, it's not knowing what the options are, but also not associating. I think Fashion Revolution did this amazing job of raising awareness around who actually made my clothes and, and thinking about the fact that if you are buying a T-shirt for £2, then you know it doesn't it didn't just magically kind of appear off a machine. Someone has has hemmed it someone has 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 overlocked that theme like it it puts that face to the work and and makes you think well if it's costing me two pounds if I work my way backwards how much did the person who made it actually make out of this and and those statistics are pretty scary and actually what's what what this book doesn't do is 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 lecture on that um, Mm. because I think those facts are out there if you if you're looking for them they exist um and I'm certainly very mindful of them but I also don't feel that it was the job of this book to hammer that point home so yeah. it's much more about okay I'm aware that that's going on um this is you know a little this this drug my memory and these are things that I can do to combat it so give me an example of one of the tips then so what would be a replacement for so someone who would be saying well I'm buying these t-shirts from Primark because they're only two pounds each so I can get five of them and wear one every day of the week Monday to Friday what's what would be the tip to replace that um so I think you you touched on it with your daughter shopping secondhand is is 
fantastic way to get some beautifully made pieces at a lower cost. Um, there are also websites out there, um, so not only eBay, but actually Depop, which you may or may not have Oh, she's on that all the time. Oh, she knows. knows. (laughs) (laughs) She's telling me there's fakes on Depop now. A lot of it's fakes. Ooh, ooh, okay. (laughs) Well, watch out out for those fakes. But if you are buying from someone who, who, you know, you can see that they've they've photographed themselves with their items, um, I think that that's another great great way in as well. Um, And then it's just, you know, being prepared to rather than say, okay, I'm going to have a t-shirt for every day of the week and every color of the rainbow, just sort of saying, okay, well, what colors actually suit me and what, what colors will I get the most use out of? Um, and, and then selecting that and really looking after that item. And, um, and, and actually I think you're better off investing in that singular piece and really taking care of it than you would be um, buying a, a pack of five and, and throwing them away each time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so on your website, you talk about um, circular economy. And it is a phrase that you get, that you hear a lot at the moment. It seems to be one of the, the buzzwords that a lot of people are using. But mm. do you want to explain to people what that means in terms of textiles and particularly for your business? Yeah, absolutely. So my my goal really with, with Soco in, in terms of where I want it to go is to, to really embrace the circular economy. And by that, I mean, not only taking a recycled fiber into the process, but then being able to recycle it again. Um, so it's really creating this loop, this circular economy, rather than this linear process of taking something from raw material through to sort of landfill at the end of it. It's, it's really keeping things in circulation for longer um and although it may seem a bit uh, uh you know people say why socks and 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 uh and what are you going to do beyond socks and what what other products are you going to have i am really single-minded with it because i figure you know your socks are one of those things that you wouldn't buy secondhand and if i can yeah. get it right um then this is and i also want to be able to be producing and getting the word out there so that I can actually, you know, get lower my prices, make it more accessible for as many people as possible as well. So that it's all it's all kind of part of the grand plan. But in terms of circular economy, um, for me it would be unraveling and being able to use those fibers in some way again. Um, at the moment, I would happily have a take back scheme. Um, it's I'm I'm lucky enough that having supplied people with the means of mending I've not had anyone get in touch and say <laughs> um, where do I send these holy socks um, it's not happened yet um, but when it does I, I do definitely want to be able to uh, unravel and and um, find a way of reprocessing the fibers that that have gone into it in the first place um, because there are ways that you know you can use it in insulation and in construction it doesn't it doesn't all have to be you know it's not unraveling a sock to make another sock mm. um, it's there are lots of innovative ways and and like you say it's 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 more than a buzzword at the moment it's something that a lot of people are investing in and and uh and looking into ways of of reprocessing and there's lots of funding out there as well for people who Mm -hmm. are trying to do that which is great um have you had any fun you said you had no funding in that respect yes no i haven't put a uh i actually saw a really interesting um application uh, available but it was you know I have the output I I kind of needed I needed to team up with someone who had the input um in terms of the fiber 
Um, so yeah, I, I I wasn't eligible for that unfortunately, but um, but there'll be other things out there. Yeah, and also if you do need anyone that specialist in fibre, just ask me because I know loads of people that can probably help in that respect. So. Great. We'll have to take that conversation offline at we'll some point. We'll take that conversation offline. Yeah. Thank you. So that makes sense then with your with you because I was going to ask you, you know, what's next? You've called the business Socco. So what happens if you don't just want to do socks? <laughs> and you've already kind of answered that question that you you have a grand. That is all part of the grand plan is just to grow the sock business. And and I hadn't thought of it in that. I suppose socks plus probably underwear are the only two things that you can't really, you wouldn't want to buy secondhand. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that it, it kind of went straight back to the beginning and get thinking, well, do we need to, if you're making a, a T-shirt out of the most sustainable fibres, I mean, that you know, that's great if it is going to get loads and loads of wear, but, you know, it, it's more sustainable to actually buy something that pre-exists out there. Um, and like you say, socks and underwear didn't quite... Um, you don't, you don't see them hanging up on mm. the charity rails. Thank God. <laughs> well, what is your favourite item of clothing then that you own? Ooh, wow. That you would want great, to darn or keep forever. Yeah. Um, I actually, you were talking about your cashmere socks. I have a cashmere jumper um, that I love to bits and um it's just so comforting and it's just one of those things like as soon as soon as you get in after a long day's work kind of I, I talk about throwing my comfies on and just like it's just one of those really comforting um and soft items um and also it's a men's large <laughs> so um so it's, it, it is it's just like a it's like a hug basically and and that is is yeah for me my 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 favorite item of clothing um but then I, I I do find that I choose with care, and I talk I talk in the book as well about having that capsule wardrobe and having those items that are really considered, and that I don't think there's anything that in my wardrobe that I wouldn't invest in reinforcing, repairing. Um, you know, there's nothing where I go, oh well, and just sort of um, certainly not throw it away, but kind of pass it on. Um, so yeah, I'd say that it's a great question, but I'd say that my what my what my partner calls my stink jumper is not stinky. It's not stinky, but it's just because it is that kind of like oh snuggly kind yeah, of like. Yeah, well, I've got those items, on. and I presume then that your dining techniques can also be used for the elbows on my cashmere jumpers where I've worn them out. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's such a it's a you know it's a, a life skill it's something that you can apply to so many different areas anywhere that gets you know a lot of wear or and it you can even use it to cover a stain it's it's yeah it's a really versatile technique so so your darning kits can people buy them from your website as a standalone item and not just with a pair of socks so that will be coming um brilliant and that when i launch the online courses I'll also be launching the darning kits alongside it. Um, but in terms of what comes with the with the socks, you get a swatch of yarn and a darning needle on the back. So it's quite it's quite straightforward. Um, it's not it you know it's not, nothing that you can't pick up from a local haberdasher's. And then on the inside of the label, it's just got some sort of three step darning um, instructions. So it's 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 meant to be yeah, it's meant to be nice and accessible for people. Um, it doesn't require spending lots and lots of money on on uh beautifully crafted hand-turned darning eggs but i'm not going to talk you out of doing that either so, <laughs> <laughs> so if someone does want to buy the beautifully crafted uh darning <laughs> eggs or your course on darning and yeah. your book where's mm. the best place to find it all that would be www.soco.shop 
Um, so for, for the book in particular, I've, I've, um, I, I, I'm selling it through the soccer website, um, but you can, it'll be available at all, uh, good all retailers good that I would, all good bookshops. Um, but I would recommend buying it through me because you'll get a signed copy. And, um, and I've also undercut Amazon on the pricing as well. Uh, so, <laughs> Love it. um, Love so it. yeah, come, come straight to soccer for your, for your, um, well, for all of your needs. Brilliant. To, and I've got my book on order. What, oh, what, thank when, you, Kate. what day does it come out? The 29th of this month. So 29th oh, of next week. Yeah. Next yeah. week of the time of recording all... this, but the week this podcast comes out. So perfect. There we go. Yeah. Perfect timing. <laughs> I will put a link in the show notes. Oh, Emma, it's been it. lovely speaking to you today. Really lovely. Andy, Kate, thank you so much for having me on and for yeah introducing me to everyone. So thank you. Brilliant. And I'm tootling off now to go and do a bit of darning. Fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous, that's what I like to hear. (laughs) Take care, Emma. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. So make sure you subscribe in your favourite podcast app. And if you're looking to find British-made brands or UK manufacturers, check out the directory on the Make It British website at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash directory. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.